Hey, welcome back to Tiger Talk tonight here on uh, 97.5 FM KMO. Thanks for joining us. Going into our next segment now, that is always in the middle segment, is Nevada Tiger head basketball coach Sean Gray. As the Tigers uh, had a nice little run going that ended last night with a loss at Seneca that snapped a five-game winning streak. But for the most part, been playing some good basketball as of late. Still in the hunt, certainly, for the Big A West. Not out of it. Uh, can try to get a piece of it before the season is over. Uh, but uh, Sean led. Some good news, some bad news. Uh, let's go back, first of all, to East Newton last week, 54-41. That was a good tight ball game for a while, and then a strong second half of your Tigers uh, when you outscore them, what, 35-21. to, to 21. Yeah, it, that was a game that we knew going on the road was, was going to be a tough environment and that and that they would come ready to play. It was their homecoming. Um, a, a place we we've, we haven't won at East Newton since we've been in the Big 8 West, and uh, it, it proved to be what we thought it would be, and, and they came out really played well. Um, they hit some shots, and it was one of those things, you know, you see it in college basketball also. Um, on the road in conference play, the ball seems to bounce, the whistle seems to blow in the home team's favor a little bit, and you have to play well enough to overcome that. We didn't play well enough to overcome that early, but as this, as this group has shown a lot throughout the year, um, we're able to overcome maybe some poor starts with some grit and just staying the course and, and trying to continually get better as the game goes along. And that was definitely the case on Friday. And you mentioned that because I had an interesting conversation with Marianne Metz, head coach at Cotty, not that long ago. We were talking about going on the road. And uh, it's her contention. You've got to overcome a 10-point deficit at the start uh, when you go on the road. You kind of have that same belief? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't know if it's it's that much, but I, I've told our guys, you know, I, I think if you're a five-point favorite on a neutral floor – uh, that that goes away uh, on the road at least. So you know, maybe in in women's college basketball, it's ten <laughs> points. You know, a little bit longer game, things like that. But yeah, it's at least five points, Mike, that you have to overcome. And um, you know, we we've seen that time and time again where you know Butler and of course there were several factors in that mm-hmm. game. But at Butler, they were able to get us, and then at home, uh, won that one going away. So I think there's definitely something to that. Um, and and while some of that might be too, you just play better yourself at home. Um, and teams that can go on the road and still be the best versions of themselves, uh, those are those are teams that really are able to have special seasons. Well, it was a strong game for Bryce Budd. He has up at 19 in the game. Uh, again, had three field goals in the first quarter, four for four from the line in the second quarter. Uh, kind of put the team on his back a little bit in that first half. He did, and he brings so much energy for us at the at the point of our defense guarding either team's point guard or at the top of the zone, whether that be half court or full court zone. A lot of energy. And then he's gotten better and better as the season's gone along, Mike, at when he drives, playing off of two feet, um, not being as one-footed or out of control and forcing things. We work with all of our guards to get to two feet. You have a better balance to score the ball. And if you don't have a good shot, you have better balance now to create something for your teammates. And uh, he that was on full display um, from Bryce at East Newton. And then, you know, it, he, he, he went through a rhythm where he scored buckets – and then he also got into a rhythm at the free throw line, and he's been our most consistent free throw shooter throughout the season, and I think he went four for four or five for five maybe mm-hmm. um, on Friday night as well. Well, the key part of the game came late in the third quarter. You're down 28-26, go on a 10-0 run to end the third quarter, and then he got extended a 13-0 with a Gage Smith three right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, well, the three ball certainly got to going for you. Kellen Braden back-to-back threes, and then again the three by Smith. Yeah, and I thought – we gave them too many extra possessions in the first half that allowed them to, to generate some points, especially in that first quarter when they scored 15. So a, a, a big emphasis for us 
was to make sure that they were one and done. Because, again, when when you rebound that first miss, that fuels your transition game. We were able to get out and go a little bit. We were able to find Kellen Braden for some open threes. We only had one three in the first half. That was a three by Jack Chaney, which was Jack's only bucket of the half. He was being guarded pretty hard. Um, and our, we had good balance in that third quarter as well. Gabe Smith had a bucket. Bryce had a bucket. Jack had, got two buckets. And Kellen's two threes were big. But I thought all of that was fueled off of our rebounding and then also our pressure. Uh, we were able to – the way that they were breaking our pressure in the first half, we made an adjustment. We kind of took away what they'd been going to and they struggled to have a counter for that, and everything fed off of that pressure from that point forward. Well, it kind of dovetail into the next game we're going to talk about, and that was Seneca last night. Uh, uh, Jack Cheney had eight points last night. He had 13 against East Dune, but he had eight, only had uh, three field goals, a three and two twos. Russ came from the free throw line. His points have been a little bit more difficult to come by as of late. Are you seeing teams uh, do things to him defensively that are trying to take him out of the game? A little bit, Mike. You know, you start to get a bigger sample size. Coaches start to communicate more, especially you get into conference play, and teams are really going to spend even more time on their game plan and their game prep. And there's no secret, Jack's our leading scorer. He's he's probably the most complete player as far as being able to score at all three levels. And what we've what we've seen a little bit is it's not a box and one or, or anything like that, but teams will put a really good, really athletic defender on him, and then when he has the ball they'll really try to pack the paint and give the person that is guarding him some support so that the person guarding him can take away the three and then their teammates can help take away the drive. You know, we've we've used that. We've used that attention from Jack to get open shots for others. Uh, they're going to have to continue to grow in their role as far as knocking those shots mm-hmm. down. And then we've got to work to get him open and, and, and create things for him. We worked a little bit o- over Christmas break on – some ways to get him open when he is guarded like that, something we're going to have to continue to work more and more on. 54-41 was the final, and Nevada picking up the victory. Uh, that gave them their fifth straight win. Of course, their first conference win after uh, the Lamar game was postponed early last week. Uh, so Nevada headed to Seneca last night, one of the preseason favorites, along with Nevada, probably Lamar in there as well, in the Big A West battle uh, going in. Heck of a matchup last night, uh, but uh, unfortunately just picked a, a tough night to have a have a, uh, a shooting night that was a little bit more difficult than some past ones. Yeah, um, you know, didn't shoot the three ball great, Mike. Um, you know, I think 28% from there, 4 of 14. Mm-hmm. And then, But the thing that stands out, the two-point field goals, 46%. And really, I thought in key stretches of the games, missed some buckets around the basket You know, that would have would have cut a three-possession game to two or cut a two-possession game to one. Well, then you flip it. Instead of cutting it to one or two possessions – you miss that shot. Now they come down the other way and score, and now they've stretched it to three or four possessions. So on a night when you don't shoot it well, you know, and, and 24 25% from three points not good enough, under 50% from two points not good enough, on those nights the only way to have success is to create extra possessions through rebounding or through turnovers. We didn't create enough turnovers. Seneca was pretty good at handling the pressure, and then we didn't win the battle on the glass. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. I think – uh, Seneca had 11 or 12 offensive rebounds. And a, 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 a team as athletic as they are, you can't give them second and third opportunities. And they were really good at not only getting those second chances, but then when they got those second chances, they converted those at a high clip. So, yeah, the, the lack of rebounding, the lack of turnover creation combined with the poor shooting uh, is is what, what led to us finding ourselves in a hole in the fourth quarter 
and then and then we had to kind of get out of system a little bit, and uh, and that and that's why it stretched to the sixteen point uh, margin. Yeah, Seneca had thirty four points, so their fifty seven came in the paint, but it was kind of the three ball that jump started really, and it came from uh, and talking to you a kind of an unlikely source in Morgan Vaughn, who was the defensive player of the year and uh, the Big A West in football this year, an outstanding linebacker. Uh, he showed he's got some offensive ability too along the basketball court, uh, twenty four points, and uh, that fighting through foul trouble in the first half. Yeah, so on film, you look at them, and they've got some nice pieces. They're really athletic. And Vaughn's a guy that on the scouting report, he'll shoot a three or two. He, I think I told you on the six games I scouted, he was two of 14 from the three-point line going into our game. And I'll be honest, a, a couple of those attempts did not look very good out of his hand. You know, the, those corner threes that catch a piece of the backboard. And, and uh, so we really felt like we could play off of him a little bit and use his defender to help protect the paint, to help – guard the drive because they had several guys that could drive it. Hearn can drive it. Mm-hmm. Hoover can drive it. Altic can drive it. And then we knew that the Grotjohn kid was shooting 44% from the three-point line, which we did a good job on him. We held him to only one bucket, a one-three. But then, of course, uh, and, and again, you kind of have that of-course mentality when a guy who you have on your scout like Vaughn did not make threes steps up, bangs two three balls early in the first, and then you adjust and say, okay, let's get to him a little bit. And then there in the second quarter, we ran at him pretty hard, had a hand in his face, and he went ahead and buried that one as well. So when guys who aren't great shooters step up and make shots and then everyone else just kind of stays on their average, that's 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 going to be tough to guard, and I think that's why we saw them near that 60-point total. A little bit of frustration last night because you had to make some runs, and you never really – you know, never got out of the game until the very end. Uh, you'd be seven to nine points behind, 11 maybe at one point. Get a couple of buckets, get back within three or four, just never. As you said, every time you got to that point, they had a couple of answers. Yeah, we had it at four there, and we had a timeout. And we really talked about how if we get a stop here, we felt like we had found some rhythm being able to score the ball. Um, you know, Bryce, we were able to, we, were, we had been able to get Bryce some buckets there in the second half attacking the basket. And Dang it, you know, I think that was a that was a possession where Altic hit a hit a three. It goes from four to seven. We come down and turn it over. Then it goes from seven to nine. It went from four to nine, you know, in fifteen or twenty seconds, Mike. And we talk about it. We've we talked about it before the game. We talk about it in practice. We talked about it in the locker room. Good teams, athletic teams, you've got to do all the little things right. Boxing out, limiting second chances. We didn't do that enough. Valuing the ball, no live ball turnovers that lead to easy points. We didn't do that enough. And down the stretch on the road against a good athletic team like Seneca, the little things matter, and they, and those little things actually become paramount. And uh, there's this cliche saying: you're you're winning or you're learning, and definitely a lot to learn from. And uh, you know, tonight we'll have a practice, Mike, where our our JV squad, which some of the, a lot of the guys that dress varsity mm-hmm. for us, are going to be in El Dorado, and uh, we'll let out a practice early to go watch them. But we'll really just have our our core group that plays the bulk of our minutes at practice today so it's a great time to really maybe watch ourselves on film instead of our next opponent which we'll talk about here in a little bit um and then just just kind of get back to the basics and 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 try to be better you think about this and i told our guys this in the locker room if every guy gets one percent better 
the five we're five percent better right there from with the guys on the floor. And a lot of these games that, that are close, if you're five percent better in, in several different areas, that's good enough to win a ball game. Fifty seven forty one was the final. Seneca uh, they improved to three and zero in the Big A West. Nevada falls to one and one. So again, Seneca's at the halfway point. Uh, so, uh, but as we talked about, again, it's only a six game conference schedule. So, uh, not a lot of room for error. Which, in fact, you have no room for error actually. So, somebody can grab Seneca. You're still in the hunt. We've seen that the last couple of years, Mike, where there have been one loss teams, and we found ourselves in that situation last year where we dropped a game to Seneca, and then one out going into the McDonald County game and. Uh, Seneca had picked up a loss along the way, so we were in a position to claim a share of the title in, the, in that final conference game of the season. The fact that Seneca's already 3-0, and you know, they've only got three games to go, but uh, you know, I feel like Lamar's a formidable opponent. We know that how tough East Newton can be. Um, we've got to hope that someone knocks them off along the way, and then we've got to hope that we continue to get better. Um, and take care of business the rest of the way in the Big 8 West. All right, so we'll put the Big 8 West to the side here for just a little bit, and uh, Nevada's got a string of non-conference games coming up, including the Force A Classic in uh, Frontenac uh, tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to us on delay on the podcast, uh, it'll be Thursday, January the 18th through Saturday, January the 20th. A-team tournament once again, uh, a lot of the same familiar names we've seen uh, last year in the tournament, back again this year. And the Nevada Tigers will have their first-round matchup tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, uh, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, in the old gym at Frontenac. So we're going to make our trip down the hallway after the girls' game at 4 tomorrow and head to the old gym for a 7 o'clock matchup against the Wildcats of Piedmont, Oklahoma. So uh, if uh, anybody who's listening to this program knows anything about Piedmont, they got a lot of free time on their hands. So uh, <laughs> you've researched them. Tell us about the Wildcats. Yeah, so we're looking at a large Class 6 school in Oklahoma, uh, a suburb of Oklahoma City there, just northwest of Oklahoma City. Um, I've watched uh, on film your really large gymnasiums. Um, and then a, a group, you, know, you watch them play. To me, they remind me of when we've, we've seen some of the – the teams in the Kaminsky Classic, maybe the the Francis Howes of the world, just with the the level of athlete and the depth that they bring to the table. Um, you know, you go up to the Kansas City area, the Liberties or the Lee Summits of the world is, is I think what we're going to get. They're led by some really good guard play, Mike. Um, in a, in a recent game that I looked at, they had two guards combined for forty four points, and and those two guards combined for eleven threes. Um, Walker Kennedy and Braden Lloyd are kind of the two guys that stood out in that in that one game. And again, four-game week, short turnaround, unfamiliar opponent. It won't be the depth of scouting report that we normally have. Um, but we know anytime you play a team like this, it's going to come down to valuing the ball and rebounding the basketball. They've also got some size. Even though their guard play is very stellar, uh, they've got a couple 6'4 to 6'6 kids that, that can get a lot done around the basket if you don't hold them in check. So great opportunity to get better. You get a lot better when you play teams that are this athletic and this skilled because they expose your deficiencies. Um, and and we don't have a group uh, that, that looks at games like this as daunting. We have a group, you know, talking to our guys today at school who, who had been looking at them on film a little bit. They were saying it with a smile on their face. You know, Piedmont looks pretty good. They look pretty athletic. Yeah, they are. And and, and what a better way to measure yourself and, and, and what better way uh, to, to really, you know, find out how much better can we get than, than to play a team like mm-hmm. this like we'll see on Thursday. Well, if they like to play in large gyms, they won't see that tomorrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> playing in the old gym. So, maybe the short confines will do you some advantage tomorrow. Maybe the road trip, <laughs> uh, maybe a jet lag, maybe playing in a smaller gym. Uh, we'll take whatever whatever we can get. And uh, and I'll tell you what, too, Mike, our kids are going to play extremely hard. 
no matter who's lined up across from them. And uh, anytime you've got a group with some grit and some toughness, uh, you'll take your chances. So it'll be a fun challenge for us and one we're excited for. Well, the other side, the Nevada's in the bottom part of the bracket. They don't put numbers, they don't put seedings on the numbers. It's some, it's sort of seated, uh, kind of halfway there, but uh, they they do some matchups uh, along the way based mostly on record. But uh, Nevada in the bottom part of the bracket against Piedmont, Oklahoma. The other game in that side of the bracket, we'll talk about the top here in a minute, uh, Fort Scott against Seneca, and they play at 4 o'clock tomorrow, also in the old gym. Uh, I'll be doing a girls game at that time, so I'll be able to get down there and watch that. But we were talking last night uh, after our post-game interview that uh, that's a very intriguing ball game there. It is. I think that's – if you were to see the tournament, I think you could look at that as like a 4-5 matchup. Um, a couple teams, I think Fort Scott's off to a great start. They've only lost one ball game. They lost a close one to a Pittsburgh team that we saw earlier. I've I've done a little advanced scouting on Fort Scott. They're a they're a team that plays through the post. They've got a nice six six post player, um, and then their guards are solid. They've got a, a sophomore guard that can handle the ball for them and is quick can get by. Another soft sophomore guard that can shoot, and then they've got senior guards who are just role players that that, that understand their role and understand that they're trying to play through the post. Um, they're not very deep. Uh, they play six kids almost primarily, um, but as long as they are able to keep their post player out of foul trouble. They're very disciplined. Um, Fort Scott played Seneca a year ago, and it's same story. They just had the the advantage in the post, um, and they were able to play through that, and they were able to stay out of foul trouble. Seneca, we obviously know all about. <laughs> just saw them. I think this will be a really good game. Seneca will be a year older. They were all uh, juniors with only one senior a year ago. Now they're almost all seniors. They're another year more mature, more athletic. Uh, and if they play to their potential, if those guys who are maybe average three-point shooters knock down some shots for them, um, I think they could give Fort Scott all that they wanted. Would be a great matchup for us no matter who we get. Obviously, Fort Scott being right down the road, a lot of familiarity. We see them in the summer a little bit. Uh, would love to play that game. And then I bet our guys would love nothing more than to get another chance at Seneca. Um, you know, Maybe the, to the, the casual fan, you know, maybe they'd like to see Fort Scott in that game. But our guys will be excited no matter who we draw on Friday. All right, so the Friday game will be at 8.30. It just depends on what side of the bracket we're on. Again, tomorrow, uh, the Thursday game at 7 against Piedmont. Fort Scott plays Seneca at 4. The other two games, the top part of the bracket, Life Prep against Frontenac and Webb City against Owensville. Uh, Owensville, again, if those of you who follow this tournament uh, may remember when Pacific, of course, uh, came to town. There's a, a connection there, and uh, now they're at Owensville. So now the Owensville team comes. But uh, uh, just for grands, what do you see out of the top side of the bracket? Yeah, so – um, almost all these teams are returning teams. You know, we I thought that Piedmont was a returning team because mm. we had a, a a large school from Oklahoma come last year. But someone reminded me that was Santa Fe out of Edmond, um, who ended up winning. Right. I was right there with you. Well, yeah, right. they ended up winning the tournament a year ago, yeah. and it was kind of an unfortunate draw the way it worked out. Santa Fe played Life Prep in the first round a year ago, mm. and that was a heck of a ball game almost as good as the championship game between Santa Fe and Webb City. So if Life Prep returns anything from what they had a year ago, you know they ended up winning fifth. They, they won their two games in the consolation side of the bracket going away. So if, if, if Life Prep returns much, I think they're in contention. We've already talked about Piedmont. They're in contention. We've seen Webb City. You know I think they're going to be a, a really, really a tough team. So I would say Chalk would tell you Life Prep and Webb City will advance on that side. And then an Owensville team that will be a year older – and another year in Coach Van Leer's system. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they'll be improved looking at their win-loss record. I think they're a little better than they have been in years past. And then a Frontenac team that we've already seen, 
um, who playing at home in their home tournament will be tough. So uh, whoever we end up seeing on Saturday from that side uh, should should be a good ball game. Well, look to it, forward to it Thursday, Friday, Saturday again at Frontenac at Frontenac High School. And I was telling uh, Blake Howarth earlier on his segment. I just I look, really look forward to going to this tournament. I just there's just a lot of things I buy, I love about it. Uh, the unfamiliar teams, uh, you get to see somebody new. The, the general chaos around the, around the campus with boys the boys and girls and boys and girls there and everybody going up and down the hallway, uh, getting back and forth between the gyms. Uh, I just I just really look forward to this tournament. It's a good tournament. We love the fact that we're we get to watch our girls, which we don't always get to do, which is a little harder since we're not scheduled yeah. back to back now. But um, don't forget the hospitality room, Mike. It's really good, <laughs> and they do a great job. They actually have a hospitality room for the players yes. at this tournament as well. They feed our guys, which we appreciate. And it's a short trip, and it's it's well run, and I think our fan base. <laughs> Really likes it as well. So uh, we're in the same boat you're in. We're really looking forward to it. Well, no matter what happens, I have a 4 and an 8.30 on Friday. So hospitality room will be visited. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, look forward to it. Uh, I, I got to let you out here. You, I'm getting short on time with you. And uh, we recording a little bit later than usual today. Real quickly, you've got a home game against Carl Junction uh, next Tuesday. Uh, the COC, just a, a quick uh, preview of Carl Junction before next Tuesday. Yeah, so – they're much improved over last year. They beat Seneca early in the year, albeit I think Seneca was pretty short on practices going into that game. But they beat Seneca, I, I want to say double. It was at least one overtime, maybe a double overtime game. Um, Cooper Vettis was probably their most skilled player last year as a freshman. Mm-hmm. He's now a sophomore. That sophomore class um, is a group they've kind of been looking to. They had a lot of success in middle school in the COC. Um, and they've even got, they've got a couple of freshmen that might come off the bench. They say they've got a three- or four-year run of teams that either won the COC or finished in the top half of the COC um, in middle school, and we all know how tough that conference Mm -hmm. is in basketball. So a lot of good young players, a lot of youth. Uh, And then a couple seniors that have been playing since they were sophomores. So a good good combination of experience um, and then some some youthful talent being inserted. Uh, But it'll all start with Cooper Vettis and, and limiting him. And then uh, Seneca's coach told me that they had a lot of guys make threes, bulk of shooters. So we've got to get out to the three-point line, um, and we've got to take away Vettis. And then I, I've seen that they're they're applying a little more pressure than they have in, in, in years past, or definitely more than last year. So we'll have to handle that as, as well. Uh, the good thing is we'll get them at home, Mike. And anytime uh, we get to play on our home court, we like our chances. All right, we we'll look forward to it. That's next Tuesday. And again, a reminder, that's a girl-boy doubleheader where the girls making up a game against Lamar uh, at 6 o'clock, followed by the boys' contest against Carl Junction at 7.30. So it should be a fun night at win, Jim, next Tuesday. But Frontenac is next on the agenda, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wish you the best of luck. I'll see you down there. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. Tiger head coach Sean Gray, and we come back. Wrestling on the agenda. Ben Aberg will visit with boys head coach Forrest Drury. They've got the Big A Conference Tournament coming up on Friday. He'll visit with him about that after this timeout on Tiger Talk.